What are you wearing, Whitey? What am I wearing? What? <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, what are you wearing? You're listening to Three Man Weave from the Daily Progress and Cavalier Insider, featuring Whitey Reed, Hootie Ratcliffe, and your host, Andrew Ramspacker. Malcolm Brogdon was a one-man show for UVA on Monday night in Miami. In his honor, the three-man weave podcast, a bit of a one-man show this week. I'm Andrew Ranspack, the lone member of the podcast name, at least, uh, to be actually talking in studio in Charlottesville. Whitey and Hootie, both on the road. We will have Whitey calling in here in just a bit, but I am not completely solo. Besides Ryan, our producer, we do have a fill-in host. You've heard him on here before talking about his embarrassing defeat to NBC 29's Marty Hutloff in a basketball competition at John Paul Jones Arena just a few weeks back. We bring in Damon Dillman. Damon, do you want to be known as, you know, we, we model ourselves after other big sports talk shows like a PTI. Obviously, they have big replacements. Do you want to be a Bob Ryan, a Dan Levitard, a Jason uh, Whitlock? Which one do you want to be here? I'm going to leave that up. Can that be your poll of the week? Oh, that could be a poll. Yeah, that there you go. <laughs> the pick and roll. All right, so we bring in Damon Dillman from CBS uh, 19. The dump and chase. We will talk uh, plenty of Virginia basketball. Uh, obviously, we'll get into a little bit at the end, Virginia baseball, as the reigning national champions off to a 3-1 start after a weekend in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, then a midweek game of the home opener the other day against VMI. But let's get started with Virginia Hoops, and we bring in the one guy who was at the game uh, on Monday covering for us here at the Daily Progress, Whitey Reed. Whitey, somewhere on the road, do you have a location for us as you're still driving back from your business trip slash uh, vacation to Miami? Hello there, Ram. You have a location for us. Do I have a location? The GPS coordinates are saying 326-1- Grid 212. Is that your stat of the week? I know exactly where that is. <laughs> All right. Do you have a state for us at least? Yeah, it could be North Carolina. It could be Virginia. Wait, let's go to my wife who's sitting in the back seat now, and she, she will give you the update on our, on our area. Is this driving Miss Daisy? We are in Virginia. We are okay. about 50 miles from Richmond. Okay, all right, so relatively close. There you go, hot off the presses around. Yeah, that is huge. That is breaking news. Um, so I, I, here we are. We're taping this, obviously. It's 1037 on Thursday morning. Woody's still on his way back from visiting some family, also taking in a game, covering a game down in Coral Gables, Florida. Woody is in the car with not only his wife but his two kids. You've heard Baby Ellie on the podcast before. She is now sleeping, so we'll try to keep this quiet as she sits in the back seat. But Woody... Let's get your takes from that game against the Hurricanes, Virginia falling uh, 64-61. It was more of the same for Virginia in terms of Malcolm Brogdon uh, really being the one guy leading things. He has 28 points, 8 of 9 in the second half. His one miss was that long three-pointer from the white right wing with about 23 seconds left. Uh, he was phenomenal, again, building his campaign for ACC Player of the Year. But, Wade, as you pointed out, and I think as anybody that watched that game points out, the rest of the team hardly gave a support staff for Brogdon going 13-40 from the floor. Uh, I guess that was your biggest takeaway from the game. How much of a factor was that? Yeah, I mean, you said it there, Ram. I mean, when uh, 
when guys like well, when Anthony Gill doesn't you know get to the foul line you know at all in a game that that's particularly troublesome because because Gill's the kind of guy who leads Virginia in free throws he gets there about five times a game so when he doesn't get I don't think he's gotten to the foul line in uh, in the NCAA, in the NC State game or this this recent Miami game uh, so that's that's like a troubling sign and. I think what's happening is he's getting doubled a lot, and he's he's throwing it back out, and uh, you know that Virginia just didn't hit the threes in this game against Miami. So when when you don't keep him honest from the outside like that, then uh, it makes Gill's kind of job that much that much harder if if a guy can cheat like that. And Devin Hall, Mario Shayok, and uh, Darius Thompson, to me those 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 three guys like in any given game, I think you got to get something. Uh, out of one or two of those guys, and in, in so many games this year, I feel like they they haven't been getting very much out of any of those three guys. Whitey Damon Dillman, CBS Nineteen Sports. <laughs> oh, hey, hello there, D Train. Thanks, thanks for filling in. I, I I know Ram was trying really hard to to get Marty Hutloff, and uh, he couldn't get him. And well, these are some big sweatpants. I, to I fill. know you were the second choice. But uh, was I not was I not supposed to say that? <laughs> I believe nothing's off the well, record when you're uh... after that performance Marty put on it at uh, at JPJ. He's been booked up for a lot of appearances, so I could not I could not bring him in. So we had to settle for for Damon. But I believe Damon has a uh, you had a question for the, the man on the road here. Yeah, I was I was just curious. You mentioned a little bit about Anthony Gill not getting to the free throw line. Obviously, he just he really hasn't been the same player that he was the first whatever it was, the first 21, 22 games. Do you attribute, tri- attribute that? I'm really nervous here, Whitey, talking to a legend. Uh, is that just really teams like doubling down on him like you mentioned? He's also missed a lot of bunnies. I know his, his field goal percentage is down too. Where, where do you think that's all stemming from? Yeah, he's kind of playing. Like lately, it doesn't seem to you like he's been taking a, a few more jumpers lately than they had been during that, you know, those first 21 games. Like, to me, it seems like he's getting pushed off the block maybe a little more than, than he was. And, um, you know, he's hit a few of them. Like, I, he had that jumper the other against Miami, and I, I, I tweeted something that it really reminded me of a Mike Scott. Like, yeah. It was, it was a nice turnaround jumper, but at the, while it was a nice jumper, it made me think, well, why is he really taking shots like that? You know, you want him in as close to the basket as you can get. Right, I mean that. That was, that was my takeaway from that. Well, actually, actually, a great segue into our into my stat of the week, which, by the way, I don't know if people know uh, off air, off camera, off podcast. Damon Dillman is a hell of a jingler. He he makes jingles oh a lot on his uh, voice memos about his cat or his dog and different things that happen. He might be a guy, Whitey. I don't know if you would agree with this, but maybe we could keep Damon around after the show. He could give a stat of the week jingle that we could play. I know how we want to make this more interesting instead of saying this boring stat of the week, but I'm, maybe I'm not on call like a doctor. Yeah. I, I need time to compose. Okay, all right. Well, maybe by next week, Whitey, do you think that would be good to have maybe Damon do our stat of the week segment, maybe with a, a little bit of a jingle? Well, I think Ram, Ram, or, or is it Bungie? Uh, Unseater Ram. Oh, I'll just go with Ram. Ram, I think we should take it one step further, really. And why, why isn't this a four-man weave? I mean, forget the three-man weave. Forget this guest stuff. That's very rude. You should invite Damon the four corners? into a full-time weave position. Well, well, maybe as his initiation to get into the Whoa. four the four corners, we Whoa. should we, he should have to contribute something like giving us a stat of the week jingle. Stat of a little the tryout, week. of course. I like it. 
Ooh. you forget he could wear his Sean Bradley jersey if we needed to maybe take another photo. He's got the Sean Bradley jersey that we've seen him, him play his rec ball. I've got a Latrell Sprewell jersey too somewhere, Whitey. Oh my God, that's very Warriors Latrell Sprewell. Yeah, not though. next Latrell Sprewell. Pre choke. Oh my. Well, no, that was uh, the choke happened with. Yeah, but well, it was, he was on Golden It was State. the vintage Warriors okay. jersey, not the uh, not oh, the. God, that's number hideous. fifteen. That's yeah. number fifteen right there, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Anyway, back to our stat of the week. You, you, did you want to test one out? Stat of the week. There it is. All right, our stat of the week is three. You guys mentioned it. Uh, Anthony Gill's first 22 games this year scored in double digits in each of those 22 games. Now in three of the last five, he has scored six points or fewer, just six points uh, down in Coral Gables against Miami, obviously. Can I add to that? Go ahead. His shooting percentage is also down a lot. He was shooting, going into that pick game, I think he was at close to 60%. And in those games since then, he's at about, uh, hold on, I actually looked this up. Okay. 41%, 19 of 46 since that pit game, including the pit game. So he's obviously missing his bunnies. Defenses are doubling down on him. It's it's a combination of factors. Damon bring it strong. Well, like I, I got a homework <laughs> assignment this morning. I had to pause my episode of the X-Files. <laughs> I, in full disclosure, I sent Damon a rundown of today's topics about an hour before he was supposed to arrive here. So I made him do a little cram session here, Whitey. But I think he's delivering to this point. He is, but I, I must say, I never got any rundown from you. Why, why you don't need one. You're an old pro at this. You are. Uh, you are. I had to walk some people along. But, uh, you know, back to the, the Gill thing, I think it's it's that kind of adds into another thing that happened uh, during that Miami game, and it's going to affect what happens this weekend against North Carolina. Talking about just post players in general, obviously Virginia's best post player is Anthony Gill. He's been struggling, but its most improved post player, Isaiah Wilkins, gets hurt uh, against Miami. And I think the Hurricanes rattled off five straight points right after that and took, some, took advantage a little bit um, and kind of, I guess, stretched that lead down the stretch and led to that win with the, again, the decline of, or I guess every game is a different story, or maybe the same story with Mike Toby. He misses some point-blank shots the other night against Miami, including one with less than 40 seconds to go, which would have given Virginia a lead. Uh, now with – you have to put kind of Toby maybe more in the spotlight uh, with Evan, Mil- Evan, Wil- eh, Evan Wilkins. Isaiah Wilkins out. Evan Nolte possibly out with a toe injury for Saturday. Woody, how much of a factor is it uh, – is the Isaiah Wilkins potential absence for Saturday going against Bryce Johnson in that North Carolina front line? Yeah, you know – Nolte to a certain extent too. If Nolte can't go, um, not necessarily because you know they miss Nolte just per se so much, but if you take away two guys from the big man rotation potentially with Wilkins and Nolte, and that really hurts your your depth. And you know you, you want to have as many fouls and that kind of thing. And you know Jared Reuter has shown a few nice flashes this year when when given a chance, but you know he, he's clearly a, a work in progress. I don't think you want him playing you know, big minutes or even any more than 10 or 15 minutes if you could probably help it in a, in a big game like this, uh, especially with, you know, a guy on the other side of the court like Bryce Johnson. So, yeah, that's definitely going to be a, a huge factor. Their availability, Tony, yesterday on a teleconference um, said that it would all depend their availability. He said yesterday's practice would tell us a lot. Um, obviously, we haven't spoken, spoken to Tony since that practice. Um, so we don't really have a feel for what their status is right now. 
Well, Bryce Johnson is Malcolm Brogdon's main competitor uh, for ACC Player of the Year, a guy averaging 17 points and 11 rebounds. He will be firmly in the spotlight Saturday. That game is 6.30 at John Paul Jones Arena, the biggest game of the year. College game day will be there uh, for a second straight season college game day, the popular ESPN television show coming to Charlottesville. Obviously, he was here last year uh, with the Duke game. And let's get into that right now because, Wade, you have something that you will have in Sunday's paper, not necessarily about college game day and what it brings. Well, I guess a little bit about that, but the fact that it that it's coming to Charlottesville for a second straight year, almost solidifying where Virginia stands right now from a national perspective. How important is it for this program to get this kind of spotlight on back-to-back years? What kind of impact do you think this is making? Yeah, you know, um, I spoke to Seth Greenberg, part of the, the game day crew yesterday, and I think he kind of put it put it best. You know, uh, Tony, Tony, we all know, doesn't like this the whole game day and the hoopla and the circus. But Seth said something to the effect of, while Tony may not really like it, his assistants absolutely love it. It's the rest of his staff is it's such a huge thing for the for the recruiting and the exposure and and, and all that stuff. Um, I mean, two game days in a row. I mean, I'm, I don't have any game day stats from from the last ten years, but I, I can't imagine there's been too many schools outside of your basic blue bloods, you know, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, some of those schools mm-hmm. who've hosted two and two in a row. So it's huge. Last year, when it did come here, it was kind of a perfect storm of things. Virginia was number two in the country. It was nineteen and zero. Duke was here. You had uh, Tyler Lewis, a uh, sophomore, hit the half-court shot, went $18,000 from State Farm Insurance. There was like, I think they announced around five, it seemed like there was about 9,000, maybe 10,000 people in John Paul Jones Arena. It was absolutely insane. Damon, you were there kind of given a... uh, some rare access, yeah, right? We, yeah, we got some, since we're an ABC affiliate too, we got some back behind the scenes access prior to, you know, guys like Jay Billis and Jay Williams and those guys getting ready for the show, getting their makeup on, going over the notes. But it was really, I was there literally from like eight in the morning or whatever it was. And as the building started to fill up and the electricity just, even outside beforehand, there were people who were in line since like one or two in the morning. They were watching the sun come up, waiting to get inside the electricity at JPJ that morning last year. That's, I I don't know if they can recapture that just because it was such a once in a generation kind of thing. Like you said, all the stars had aligned for it. It may not be quite the magnitude this Saturday. I still think it's going to be. It's, I'm sure UVA fans are salivating. They've been hoping to get this. It should be a lot of fun again on Saturday. Reese Davis. Hey, Adrian, can you put, uh, I, heard, I heard this. I don't know if it's true. You, you helped Jay Billis apply his, his pregame makeup. Last well, I, I gave him some primer tips. So, you know, uh-huh. I've, been, I've been wearing makeup for a long time, going back to my Kiss Cover Day bands. Kiss Cover Band days. So, yeah, I gave him some primer tips. He was really appreciative. I just wanted and, to clear that up. Thank yeah, you. no, I, there was a lot of talk after the show that he never glowed better on air. So, Have you ever compared makeup tips with other TV people? Not really, no. I mean, it's not something... I don't even. I've perfected the art of. I haven't bought my makeup in years. That's one of the benefits of getting married that you get your wife to buy it for you. But back in the day, I had perfected the art of pretending I was buying it for my girlfriend. So yeah, she wants this shade. Wow, so, that's a sly yeah. move. That is a sly move. Well, 
those made up guys talking about Reese Davis, Jay Billis, uh, Seth Greenberg, Jay Williams, Damon Dillman will all be at John Paul Jones Arena on Saturday. Last Saturday, Reese Davis went in making the announcement that College Game Day would be coming to JPJ uh, this week. He, they were at College Station in preparation for Kentucky, Texas A&M. He called JPJ last year College Game Day the crowd of the year for the 2014-15 season. Obviously, we weren't at other game days, but as Damon said, it was electric, no doubt about that. But the other part of last year was that Virginia lost that game. Uh, Duke came back, and it really kind of sprung Duke's run to the national title last year. They're coming off of the Rashid Suleiman uh, getting booted from the team. They were kind of looked like a team on the ropes a little bit, and in kind of classic Coach K fashion, they bounce off the ropes, beat Virginia at home, and then obviously go on to win the national title. For this specific game Saturday night, Whitey, the standings are bunched up. I know you're driving, so I'm gonna, you don't have the standings in front of you. I'll give them to you, okay? North Carolina – Number one at 12 and three in the league, Miami and Louisville both at 11 and four. Virginia coming in next at 10 and five. UVA has the toughest stretch run last three games more than anybody, taking on Carolina on Saturday, going to Clemson next week, and then ending next Saturday at home for senior night against Louisville at 8:30 tip. A real deadline friendly yeah. tip there uh, against against Louisville. So such a huge huge impact, Whitey. I think without before the Isaiah Wilkins injury, before the Evan Nolte injury, I gave Virginia a huge edge just because they don't lose often in JPJ. It hasn't happened all year. It hasn't really it hasn't happened since game day came here last year. But with that injury, I don't know. Carolina is playing really hot right now. Obviously, the win over Miami over the weekend just pounded the Hurricanes, knocked off NC State on Wednesday night in Raleigh. I don't know. Who are you giving an early edge to Saturday night? Ram, I'm not going to pull any punches here. The kids are waking up here, so I'm going to be short and sweet. I'm expecting Virginia to completely destroy Carolina. Wow. Whitelaw putting it out there. To destroy Carolina. I am. I, I thought that Tar Heels have been overrated for a long time this season. I never quite understood why they were ranked as high as they were to start this year. I thought they had very... You know, not so impressive performances. Hey, Whitey. You know, I, I could be wrong on this, but I just have a I have a hunch that Virginia's going to take it to him. Whitey, is that with or without Isaiah Wilkins? With or without, D-Train. All right. Wow. All right. Well, Book it. Your lock of the I week. Gotta go. I got to go. That is a walk-off right there. Whitey predicts Virginia will pound North Carolina on Saturday. Whitey, thanks for joining us. Have a safe trip back. And he is now. Wow, he wasn't kidding call. that he had to go. Wow. Well, that was that was pretty impressive. Good, uh, I mean, drops the mic and everything as the kids are waking up in the car. Right threw his phone out the window. Yeah, I mean, good stuff out of Whitey. And our first successful phone call, thanks to our producer, Ryan Blackwell, for setting that up. That means we can get maybe other guests uh, on here. That means here. I don't have to drive over here ever again. No, you, well, you just initiated yourself. Uh. You, got the, you got the nod of approval from Whitey. Yeah, what are you talking? you got to rename the podcast. got to right. run we this by to, Hootie, we don't We might you? have to do a new logo, a new name. Uh, you guys don't have to go to those lengths. Might have to get the trademark redone, the registered, all everything. So we have to go through a lot of things to get that done. And maybe it works. But he says Virginia will pound North Carolina. Now, Carolina has its flaws. Among them, it struggles to shoot from the perimeter. Right. This is one of the wor- not only the worst shooting teams in the ACC, one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. However... 
this was a stat of the week that I debated a little bit because I did some research here. You know that Virginia right now is giving up 6.7 threes per game, which matches the 2010-11 team in terms of highest number of threes given up per game. That team gave up 208 threes on the season, the most in the Tony Bennett era. This team on pace potentially to uh, not only match that, but to to give up that many or, or, or give up more. Uh, as the season progresses, Miami had a lot of success from outside. Does Carolina wake up a little bit from the outside? I think that's a, that's a matchup to loss. When that pack line's going well, it forces those contested outside shots. Carolina has not shown the ability to make a lot of those, but they might get a lot of open looks there showing what Virginia's been done doing defensively. If there's a hole in it this year, it is you can beat them from three. Yeah, and I mean, UVA's obviously had its success against Carolina in recent years. Mm-hmm. And like you touched on, Carolina's maybe not that strong from the outside, which kind of feeds into UVA's philosophy defensively with the pack line. But the flip side of it is if you don't have an Isaiah Wilkins and they have a guy like Bryce Johnson on the inside, they have a big guy like Kennedy Meeks on the inside. Whitey kind of touched on this a little bit, but Tony talked yesterday about how maybe you don't have Isaiah and then it's compounded by maybe you don't have Evan Nolte either because he would be the next guy up in that spot. And then you are kind of leaning on maybe guys like Jared Reuter and Jack Salt who haven't played a lot. Jared Reuter played, what, five minutes in Miami? That's the most he's played since the Cal game in December. Jack Salt, the last five games, I think the only time he's played was late in that NC State win. So these are guys who don't have that experience against a talented and experienced Carolina front line. So it's, I don't know, Whitey's Whitey's prediction's bold, and I give him credit for that, but I think a lot of it does depend on, is Isaiah Wilkins in there on the inside to help defensively? So, I don't know. A lot will depend on where things stand with him. Well, that's big pressure, too, for Jack Salt and Jared Reuter. You mentioned the lack of experience, but to be thrown into the fire in this game, it's not like you can... Yeah. I mean, the training wheels are off. I mean, this is an absolute uh, battle of the Titans in the ACC. For Virginia, it's a chance. It's really its last chance uh, to have an opportunity to win a third straight ACC regular season title if it loses Saturday that chance is done no Um, I sat down I looked at the standings this morning and I tried I was going to try to figure out what it would take for UVA to win another regular season title but it just basically they need to win these last two games and they need basically everybody in front of them to lose all right so tiebreakers are so complicated and not yeah, fun to talk about. Well, running down at least who the contenders have left. Carolina travels, obviously, to Charlottesville on Saturday, then takes on Syracuse, ends, ends the regular season at Duke. Miami at 11-4, game back of Carolina. Host Louisville, travels Notre Dame, goes at Virginia Tech. So if Miami, I mean, get Louisville at home, you take on Notre Dame, which could be tough in South Bend, but you end against Virginia Tech, who has shown that it's – you know, ask Virginia. That team can be tough to beat sometimes, yeah. especially in Blacksburg. So who knows about that? Uh, Louisville, who obviously will not be at the ACC tournament, but will have an opportunity to win the regular season title uh, at Miami, home against Georgia Tech, at Virginia to close things. Obviously, Virginia, Carolina, at Clemson, home against Louisville, Notre Dame. You should have made a spreadsheet. Has the easiest, I think, uh, road home here. At Florida State, home against Miami, home against and C State, but can you trust Notre Dame's? You know, obviously they're two back. They're at ten and five. They're yeah, two they're back in the North same Carolina. spot as UVA, where they need to win out and a lot of help. Right. Duke, as we speak here Thursday morning, takes on Florida State Thursday night, and then travels to Pitt 
and then obviously closes the regular season home against North Carolina. So those are your six contenders. The question is, what are you playing for? Are you playing for that ACC regular season title, or I think you're playing for the number one seed in the tournament, which... ACC tournament or regional tournament? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for Virginia, they've been in that one spot now two straight years. Obviously, they rode that to a title in 2014 last year, losing to North Carolina uh, in the semifinals. They're on semifinal Friday down in Greensboro. So Virginia, as it would be right now, would have the three seed. Obviously, with Louisville not involved, uh, they move out because of the self uh, sanctions it put on the program. And Virginia would be the three seed if the regular season ended today. So it'll be a lot of fun up there in, in, in D.C. We can talk about that when we get to it but we did talk about college game day from a basketball standpoint there with Whitey with Damon Damon and I were there Whitey was not there last year he didn't mention he wasn't no I don't believe he was he will be there on Saturday covering for us um and getting kind of the 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 atmosphere for an A1 story coming off of what Reese Davis and the boys uh kind of give and the atmosphere that JPJ what what atmosphere is created as we said last year it was phenomenal can they make a repeat of that? I don't know. I will say this. Tyler Lewis, uh, who made that <laughs> shot, was a viral star. Uh, I was able to catch up with him this week. He will not have a chance to defend his ground uh, to make the half-court shot as he is in New Zealand, studying New Zealand, studying abroad. He can't hit from that range. As a junior uh, now at the school. I asked him what he did with his $18,000. He said, I wish I had something fun. I could tell you that I used it on, but actually I used it to help with tuition. So smart kid. Yeah, they, they take smart students here uh, when they accept them at UVA. But going to the topic of college game day, college game day for the last, I don't know if I had the number, at least the last, what, five years, it's taken on a college basketball life. It started in the 90s with college football. That is the spotlight sport that it does this for. It's so popular. College game day for basketball is a one-hour show. College game day for football, I believe, is a three-hour show now. Uh, it's an absolute zoo. It has never come uh, to Charlottesville. So it brings up the discussion. This could be our next poll about if we would imagine, right? It's a new it's a new era in Virginia football. Optimism. Maybe, maybe down the road, maybe in the Bronco Mendenhall era, Virginia gets good enough to warrant a game day visit uh, from Kirk Street, uh, Reese Davis. I mean, they did come to JMU last year. Luke Lee Corso, yes. It had been in the state. Obviously, he's been to Blacksburg as well. But Virginia still looking for its first visit. But where would it be if it were football? Uh, you know, the most obvious thing to me, Damon, is to have it set up on the lawn, have the rotunda in the background. Of course, this means the rotunda is, is finally done yeah. with construction. No more scaffolding. <laughs> uh, which is, you know, taking a little bit there to, to get all that finished. But if it is, fit, I mean, what an awesome look that would be. It would have to be there. I thought the same thing. It would have to be rotunda-based. I mean, that would be perfect. I mean, you get the, I think, the you get the, the lawn element. Uh, of the, the students that live on the lawn. You could do so many kind of cool features as a TV guy. I mean, think about the possibilities you could do out of that in terms of packages. Yeah, no, absolutely. The there. I mean, they, when, they, when they go to schools, they try to embrace the history of the school. Just looking back at when they were at JMU last fall, they, they want to embrace what makes each school unique. And obviously there's so much that makes UVA unique from that standpoint, the history and all of the tradition. But I think, yeah, it would have to be rotunda-based. Visually, it would be so compelling. You know, whether you're on the, probably on the lawn, I would think, and maybe with the rotunda in the background. But mm-hmm. it would be, I mean, I don't know if there'd be a better, more unique setting in the country for game day. Yeah. So, yeah, pressure's to, on, Bronco. <laughs> I'm trying to think of uh, other places they've had it, um, you know, purely on campus where you know. A lot of times it's, 
it's kind of in the parking lot. You have the stadium in the background. There's, there's no. But option. you can do that anywhere. You could do that anywhere. I think that's, that would make UVA appealing, certainly to to have uh, the lawn or the the rotunda aspect in the background. You know, you think about the lawn though; it does have that dip down there in the middle. So it'll be interesting to see where they would set it up. They put can it- build sets. They can. Okay. They can take care of all that. We don't need to get into the semantics all right, of it all. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know. <laughs> um, other options, you know. It is sponsored by Home Depot, right? It is right. Yeah. So they, that's it's in their name to to build something there that that fits for everybody involved. Other options we talked about maybe Scott Stadium. You could do it at the base of the hill. Where yeah. students fill the hill and have them in the background. Scott there. Stadium has a unique look to it, definitely. With the columns. Oh, again, though, that all depends on game time and stuff. If that's a noon kickoff or something, you can't. If it's a three thirty kickoff, you can't do it. You have to right, kind of base there's that. There's a lot of teardown involved. Uh, basically, if it's an eight o'clock game, a night game. So, and, and game, college game day for football is different from basketball because they can switch from week to week. But the question with Scott Stadium is too, the crowd that it would draw, the lawn would give you so much more room for that. Right. Right, right. No, I, I think the the lawn really would be uh, the number one option. Ryan, we talked about another option off air. I forget what well, my third one. The downtown mall. Yeah, downtown mall doesn't give enough UVA vibes. Oh, you could do it oh, Lambeth Field. Yeah, which would Lambeth be, Field would be Lambeth really good Field. Spot I think too. Would, would would give you an option. There's plenty of room there. The history, the tradition of that place, you could educate it. So yeah. I think the lawn and Lambeth Field, I think, would be definitely the. The two spots they would look at. I think Long being the number one option. But again, both of those are so unique, so historic. They're, right. they're the kind of spots that they look for. So right. I don't know. Maybe you should start a Twitter campaign. Yeah, we can do a poll. We've been known to do polls here in the Three Man Weed. We actually didn't do one last week, so I apologize. So maybe we can do two polls. I'm not sure. But that will do it basically for our, our basketball discussion. Uh, we got into a lot of that with Whitey. Appreciate Whitey coming on. Um, again, no hoodie next week. We'll have him on back next week as he is traveling as well next week will be a loaded show um with the theme of malcolm brogdon basically everything <laughs> in terms of his senior day coming up his final stretch his final push push to be acc player of the year everything about that where does malcolm brogdon rank in terms of uva history all-time players to see the best player in the tony bennett era that can something that that we can debate next week but before we sign off here Damon, let's get to baseball. You were down there with me um, in Myrtle Beach, at least for the opener, uh, when Virginia took down Kent State. Its first game as the defending or reigning national champions it beat Kent State, followed that up with a win over Appalachian State on Saturday, and then on Sunday falling to a very, very good Coastal Carolina team in what was a pretty hostile environment at Coastal Carolina. And then Virginia comes back home in the home opener and absolutely destroys VMI 18-1. to you know, David, the biggest question mark with this team going in was how it replaced the arms, uh, most notably Brandon Waddell, Josh Spores, Nathan Kirby, three of the best in program history, the three main keys, along with Kenny Towns and some others, to last year's national title run. I think that opening weekend, we saw both, uh, yes, they can do it yeah. on one end, but on the back end, in terms of the bullpen replacing Josh Spores, uh, that's going to be a developing story, I think, as the season goes on. Yeah, I think it's still a question, isn't it? I mean, obviously, on one hand, like you said, the starting pitching, I know Oak was really happy with the way the starting pitching – you couldn't be happier than the way Connor Jones looked on Friday night in the opener going out and 
thrown seven shutout innings. And uh, then you go with a freshman Lynch who more than held his own. Tommy Doyle gave up the early runs but then held his own on Sunday. But, yeah, the flip side is the bullpen and trying to figure out what pieces fit where. They obviously had their problems on Friday night in that ninth inning against Kent State and then really had their problems against Coastal on Sunday. And I know you and I have talked about this a lot. It's just kind of a domino effect. They've had some injuries. They came into the season with some injuries on that pitching staff with Sperling and with Derek Casey. And if they had maybe one of those guys or both of those guys, how some of the pieces would kind of fit differently. But they're not going to have either of those guys this year. Where does Adam Hazley fit in? We saw him pitch into the third, didn't give up a hit against VMI. Where does he kind of fit moving forward? Because he's also their leadoff man and their everyday center fielder. So I think, yeah, Oak talked after this weekend about how it's such a long season. It's such a grind. And obviously last year was such a roller coaster. But it's just it's going to be a while, I think, before we really identify where guys fit best on that pitching staff, and that's going to kind of be the question for a while with this team. Well, I think I got this. You get the sense, really, since fall, that there was going to be a, and they didn't really sound totally confident in it because normally they have that anchor, they have that obvious guy who's going to be the closer on the back end. Yeah, on the back end, they knew they really didn't have that in the fall. They tried to try out different things. Really, right now, by default, Alec Bettinger is the guy. He's someone in the past has been um, someone in the past who has shown flashes here he and has there. The stuff, yeah. I mean, he's got a fastball that hit ninety four. The weekend he can hit ninety five. But then again, you got to have you got to have a lot of confidence back there. And Alec Bettinger last year, think back to a couple performances, particularly against Duke on a Saturday game where he blew a ninth inning lead. Uh, a start against USC in the yeah, regional where he failed to record an out. So, you know, and then and then he struggled in the opening weekend. I think that, you know, maybe you let that play out. Listen, Josh Spores wasn't perfect last year either. People kind of forget about that. There was a point where he gave about four or five home runs, I think, in a week yeah. uh, last year in about midseason. And then obviously he turned it on. So, you know, they're just not that proven guy right now. they got to trot guys out to get some experience to see what can happen. You mentioned Adam Hazley. Uh, another guy that pitched, the guy that relieved Adam Hazley <laughs> on uh, on Tuesday was Robbie Komen. Yes, Robbie Komen, the senior catcher, um, who, you know, you, you talk about the injuries, Casey, Sperling, Connor Easton's going to be out about four weeks. So that's a freshman I thought they were going to have in the mix. So maybe Robbie Komen, how does he figure? He looked good against the VMI. Yeah, he was hitting 90. Hit 90, uh, had a really good fastball, worked really quick. Uh, which is kind of not traditionally how Virginia pitchers work, but hey, we'll Kays take. Will talk to him about. Yeah, that. exactly. He might need to slow it down a little bit, but maybe that's an option. Is Adam Hazley? I see he gets built back up. Can you put him in the weekend rotation? You can take a guy like Doyle. Can you put him maybe as a closer spot? You looked at him as a closer in the fall. Who knows? Uh, that'll be kind of a trial and error type of situation all year. And I think for Brian O'Connor and that staff, they feel like they have the lineup. Yeah. To score a lot of runs, they have the starting pitching that can give enough support where that can get them to a certain point where maybe if they solidify that closing spot, they'll be all good when it really matters in the postseason. And, yeah, that's one of the fun things, I think, moving forward about watching and following this team is that, especially that young lineup. I mean, on Tuesday against VMI, I think we'll all remember that 11-run inning cap by the Grand Slam by Paven Smith, and he's really swinging the bat well in the early going. But there was also that stretch there where it was four freshmen in a row, all with RBI hits. Mm-hmm. There, after Charlie Cody got hurt, it was all freshmen in the outfield. And just watching those guys grow throughout the course of the season, plus Andy Weber at third base, plus you have Karstetter, and you have other guys, Eikhoff, that yeah. they're really 
high on. It's going to be fun watching how those guys grow as this season goes on because that's always kind of the story with UVA. But look at the way Paven Smith and Hazley and Clement and those guys grew into their roles as the season went on last year. So that's going to be another really fun storyline as we get into the season. Yeah, the top six of that lineup over the weekend, at least, in that series or the tournament, I guess, uh, down in, in Myrtle Beach. That's a loaded. That's a veteran loaded top six. Talk about Adam Hazley, Ernie Clement, Matt Dice, Paven Smith, Danny Panero, and Robbie Komen collectively batted three seventy five with a home run, five doubles, and sixteen RBI. Those guys are going to be solid. I'd take those six up against anybody's in the ACC, up against a lot of people's in the country, especially the three four guys with Paven Smith, or excuse me, with Matt Dice, then Paven Smith, a couple of lefties there who at times are just really, really hard to pitch to, and you can't pitch around either of them because you got to deal with both of them. Uh, that's going to be really good. As you said, the development of the freshman who will routinely take up the bottom part of that lineup. Talk about a guy like Jake McCarthy uh, who went three for five the other day. He's solid. You know, his development, you know, obviously his brother was ACC freshman of the year, uh, his first year playing in this program. So he has it in his blood to have make an immediate impact. He's off to a good start. Cam Simmons is a guy at 6'3", 195, who I think will be batting in the three or four hole yeah, in a lot of people's say, lineups right now. At some point, does he develop into a guy who you can put between Thais yeah. and Paven Smith so you're splitting up those left-handed bats? Yeah, a lot of options. It's totally different from last year. I mean, last year's team was so thin. Um, guys who were on last year's team who played early – aren't going to get a lot of looks. They got some looks against VMI because it was a blowout, but uh, it's funny how those things happen because as long as this team stays injury-free position player-wise, obviously Charlie Cody turned an ankle um, the other day. We didn't know the extent of it. Brian O'Connor really didn't have a huge update afterward, but you know, Charlie Cody is not a guy that's going to factor much into the starting lineup. He'll a guy that might play get might get a midweek start here and there, but those freshmen coming in combined with the veterans coming back, this has a chance to be a really, really uh, talented and run-producing lineup. So that's uh, – and, and, again, you combine that the starting pitching. You mentioned Connor Jones, Daniel Lynch, and uh, Tommy Doyle over the weekend. Those three starts combined an ERA of one. So off to a good start. Biggest challenge will be this weekend starting Friday against East Carolina. It will be the toughest non-conference uh, series for this team until it reaches ACC play. So – That'll be something to watch. That starts this weekend, Friday, at uh, at Davenport Field. I think 3 o'clock, first pitch. Yes. And then uh, I 1 o'clock. So if you're around Head the area. Head across the street after game day. Game day starts at 11, first pitch. Also, women's lacrosse at noon, I think, on Saturday. First pitch of baseball <laughs> starts at, at 1 o'clock. Uh, college game day at 11. So... You know, if you happen to spend has some extra time, check out those uh, women's laxers. Are I you covering all three? Uh, we will. I'm not sure what the exact okay. assignments will be, but, yeah, we'll be at all three. Okay. Highlights at 11. All right. We can dive into lacrosse maybe on another show. We just ran out of time. Yeah. It was obviously on a rundown. Um, I've got to do some deadlifts. Right. <laughs> well, Damon, hey, thanks for coming. Always a pleasure. And uh, Whitey gave you uh, the Dump and Chase podcast. That's the name I'm pitching the when it's just the two. Chase. That's a lot. That's too the old hockey. hockey term. Yeah, that might be too hockey related. But it seems really appropriate. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll, what you need. We might need to put it by our uh, most veteran guy on the mic, the venerable Jay Hootie Ratcliffe. Jay Hootie Ratcliffe, who again will join us next week. Make sure to tune in next week. It should be a packed show. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about as the regular season comes to a close. Malcolm Brogdon's career in Charlottesville. 
home games comes to a close. Talk about his legacy, his impact. Uh, but that's all be for next week. Until then, make sure to check out the game Saturday, game day Saturday, baseball this weekend. Women's uh, lacrosse noon on Saturday. Yeah, women's lacrosse noon on Saturday. Doug Dowdy, our good friend Doug Dowdy, picking up a new dog this weekend. Apparently sleeping at my house Saturday night, there though he's yet to contact me about it. We might have some stories to tell uh, on next week's show. So for Ryan Blackwell, producer for Whitey Reed, calling in from somewhere outside of Richmond. And for you, Damon Dillman, for filling in. I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks will, for having me. That will do it. Thanks for listening. Do you attribute that? I'm really nervous here, Whitey, talking to a legend.